Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Adam. History title. Bang! Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my picks on Twitter, at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by our podcast co-host and producer, Alex Uplinger. Find him at Alex underscore Up7 on Twitter. And managing our podcast Twitter at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod. We record on the evening of December the 23rd. Happy Festivus. Hope your Christmas Eves went well. You listen to this on Christmas Day, so Merry Christmas to all out there celebrating. Alex, I know you're celebrating. Uh, I hope your December the 23rd has gone well, and uh, take me through what the plans are for the next few days here. <laughs> I'm doing well, Greg. I hope you're doing the same. I'm in Hershey, Pennsylvania, visiting the girlfriend's family, so we're going to just hang out here and keep it low-key and watch some football, but very excited for these uh, games starting on Friday. It looks like we have 
four games or four straight days. Four sorry. non four games before Sunday. Absolutely, four yeah. straight. Although, days how about of the one on Saturday? That's you have to have Amazon Prime Video to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. I I think I do have that, but okay, I'm not I'm not sure if others do. I'll I'll be trying my best to stream it on the internet if I don't. So, in the interest of full disclosure, before we move forward here, we just want to say this is going to be a little bit more of a rapid-fire pod uh, this week. Uh, Obviously, a lot of moving parts to our schedules. I traveled today, flying back from Minnesota to the East Coast. I am in South Jersey with my family celebrating Christmas. Um, And so, we're all kind of winding down here in the evening, but we do want to get something out there for NFL Week 16, especially with this game on Christmas. Alex, are you warming up to the idea of an annual Christmas game in the NFL, or do you think that holiday will always belong to the NBA and it just happens to line up close enough to the weekend here? Honestly, I'm very excited for both. I I love the NBA Christmas Day. I love looking at the NBA unders, but having a football game is a nice little surprise, so I'll be definitely looking for action there. And, hey, we got some good college basketball on Christmas Day, too. Michigan State against Wisconsin at 12 noon Central, or excuse me, 12 noon Eastern to start things. That sounds like a absolute rock shoot there. Rock fight, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You saw Michigan State just go down to Northwestern. And right. Wisconsin against Nebraska was a little snoozer there. But if you like Big Ten basketball, hell yeah, that's a that's a great spot to watch. I mean, that's still two top 15 programs. So certainly no shortage of sporting events to watch on Christmas Day. And let's get into the NFL game now as we're seeing the Minnesota Vikings traveling to New Orleans for a playoff rematch from last year as Minnesota in this similar type price range, about a touchdown underdog. Some shops are at six and a half, seven. We're even seeing bet online with a juiced, heavily juiced seven and a half to take Minnesota. Total in this game of 51. And Alex, uh, I I do think though that the only way you can look here is to the home chalk with the New Orleans Saints because you have the, those revenge elements on the line. The Saints having lost it at home to the Vikings in the playoffs last year. Of course, we remember the Minneapolis miracle between these two teams and the walk-off touchdown by Stephon Diggs at the end of regulation two years ago, or excuse me, three years ago in the postseason. So I'm sure the Saints would love nothing more than to officially eliminate the, the Vikings from the playoff hunt, even though things are looking very bleak for the Purple People Eaters after they lost at home last week to the Chicago Bears. So I I, I worry about the motivation. I worry about Minnesota just kind of tapping out here um, and kind of saying no moss and it's not our year. Remember, this is a Vikings team that started 1-5. They had a lot of defensive turnover on their roster and give them credit for fighting back and making a season out of it to some degree. But I think given what we've seen recently from Minnesota, is an indicator that uh, you know the early season Vikings, to some degree, are coming back. And get, with that in mind, it's just not a team that I expect to compete to its fullest here. And if I'm not getting that compete level with a seven-touchdown you know, underdog, 
I don't have any interest. I do think if I am to play the game, and I won't rule this out because it's a standalone NFL game, you could be playing on – we've seen now – this. well, actually, I say this. We will now have NFL games this year for the first time ever on every day of the week because this game is a Friday. Um, so it could be a Friday. It could be a Wednesday. If it's a standalone NFL game, I'll probably find something to get me some action. Um, and if I had to, I think the under could be interesting here because we know that these two teams want to run the football, and I think that New Orleans kind of got taken out of that element a little bit last week, having to play Kansas City, and obviously still lost the game. So I think this is a good opportunity for New Orleans. We saw what David Montgomery did last week for the Bears on the ground against Minnesota. I think it's a similar spot here for New Orleans to kind of get back to what it's most most comfortable doing, uh, which is running the football, and we all know that for Minnesota, as good as Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen can be, they're going to want to pound Dalvin Cook, especially as a touchdown road underdog. So I think the under uh, up over 50 uh, could be interesting. Uh, 51 is a key number for totals, uh, but it's not, it, I have not officially played it yet. I'll say that. Sounds like you like the side. I do. I'm going to be rolling with this thing here, but I do like your look at the under. The Vikings, they run the ball 47% of the time, which is fifth highest percentage in the NFL. And their defense just cannot hold up against this Saints offense, despite what Breeze has been looking at. But the Vikings defense, they give up 27.7 points per game. And last week against the Bears, they gave up 33 points. They really got gashed on the ground by Montgomery. And I imagine Kamara is going to do the same. Also, this game is being played on Friday, Christmas Day, which does not bode well for Kirk Cousins. Right. Six and 14 against the spread on any day other than Sunday. <laughs> he, just, he just can't get it together in primetime games. Or the wrong game. game. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think that also translates to Sunday at 425 Eastern. Like, if it's anything other than Sunday at 1 Eastern, Cousins does not do well against the spread. No, absolutely. And then the Vikings, they haven't really protected the quarterback well, which is terrible for Cousins, who has thrown 13 interceptions on the season. He's also lost five fumbles. 13 interceptions, that's second in the NFL. That's only behind Carson Wentz, who we haven't seen play in two weeks. The Vikings, they rank 21st and allow 2.4 sacks per game. And the Saints' pass rush, that's one of their stronger units. They average 2.9 sacks per game, which is seventh in the NFL. I just think the pass rush is going to be a little too much for the Vikings to handle. I think they'll be able to turn Kirk Cousins over a couple times. And I think they'll be able to stop the run. I think they can shut down Dalvin Cook. They rank fourth in yeah, the NFL. They're, very good they're, team against the run. they're really strong against the run. They, they only give up 95.6 rushing yards per game. It's one of the stronger units on the ground. So I think they'll be able to shut down the running game and then good luck Kirk Cousins beating them through the air. Yeah, you know, and, and and you know, I know he did it last year, but I have serious doubts that he can go there and do that again. 
Alex, one last thing on New Orleans, though, and this just more more or less, not really even a gambling point, but how much do we think that whether it's Drew Brees or Taysom Hill, like, they're going, and I think last week is kind of an indicator in them losing in a higher scoring game that it doesn't necessarily, and this might sound crazy because Brees is headed to the Hall of Fame, but it, I feel like for this version of the Saints, it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is and that their game plan is going to be very similar. It's going to be a lot of Alvin Kamara on the ground, Latavius Murray perhaps mixes in, and short passes, which isn't anything that Taysom Hill can't do. So it doesn't surprise me that they had success with him. And we saw it last year with Bridgewater. And I just don't think that game plan really changes that much with Breeze, which also speaks to the under in this game. But I just think moving forward, the Saints are going to try and continue to execute similar kind of short-passing, run-oriented schemes offensively, uh, which might not seem like the best move given the name value of Drew Breeze. But I think at this point in his career, it's probably the way to go. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's to be said that Mike Thomas is going to be out for this game. He's on the IR, so the earliest he could come back is the first round of the playoffs. I'm just – I'm leaning on that. Really an in-and-out season for him with the injuries. Yeah, several several weeks off here and there. I'm leaning more on the the defense to disrupt Kirk Cousins. And And I guess it's my point, though. I feel like more and more if you're backing New Orleans – you're not backing Breeze. You're backing the defense and Alvin Kamara making plays. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're you're expecting the, the defense to come up big and have a couple of turnovers and several sacks. And, yeah, that's what I'm leaning on here. Let's go to another matchup of a team from the NFC South against an NFC North opponent, and it's the first game on Saturday's slate on December the 26th. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions, and we're seeing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers land a big price. Nine and a half, ten-point favorites pretty much everywhere you shop. Total in this game of 54, and Alex, there was some uh, speculation as to what the status would be of Matthew Stafford for Detroit. He gutted it out, and he played last week in Nashville against the Titans. He's a pretty tough dude. Um, you know, but on one hand, I, I just think Detroit's kind of a dead team right now where it's not even like they're really playing for Daryl Bevel. I think once you, as an interim coach, suffer that first loss, the writing's kind of on the wall that you even don't have much to salvage in terms of making yourself a legitimate candidate. So uh, I, for Detroit, in what's been kind of a lost season, I have a hard time uh, kind of getting up for backing them here. But, gosh, this is a big price for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be laying. And I was, you know, they did not look good last week in that first half. And Atlanta uh, kind of let its guard down and give the Bucks credit. They hit a few big plays and got back in the game in the second half. But, gosh, I, I, I would not want to back Tampa at this price range. Uh, but as I said, not a whole lot gets me up for Detroit here either. No, I think this is one of the tougher games of the week. I I really can't get there with either of these numbers. It, Stafford was really tough playing last week. He's got rib contusions, it seems like, and I just – it looks like he's going to start again. I, I just can't really get there with either of these teams. Like you were saying last week, 
Tampa was not looking very good in the first half against Atlanta, which is one of the softer defenses in the NFL. They've been playing better, but still, it's a defense you can exploit. Detroit, they can be had. I I just don't want to lay either of these numbers at all. Yeah, no, I think it's as simple as that. Probably one I'll sit back and watch and and see if the Bucks can put together a full 60 minutes because I think it's one of those where you just kind of watch them and hope that maybe you pick up on a few things here or there because it is a Bucks team that with a win is heading to the postseason and you try and look for some more consistency. But if it's another similar game to the Atlanta one where Detroit kind of, or excuse me, Tampa kind of plays down to its opponent and just looks lackluster, I think that further legitimizes Tampa as kind of a fraudulent playoff team and one that I don't put in the mix as far as the NFC contenders go. But we'll see how the the last two games go for the Bucks. A couple of convincing wins as big favorites against the Lions, and then they'll get the Falcons again in Week 17. Could change that. Let's go to a divisional matchup out west. The second game of the slate on Saturday features the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Arizona. Well, I guess they're still in Arizona. I don't even know at this point. Um, the Niners nonetheless, are the visiting team in this game against the Arizona Cardinals, a total of 49. The Cardinals are five-point home chalk. And, you know, this is going to sound square, Alex, but, I mean, we're seeing C.J. Beathard make a start for the 49ers, and the Cardinals are battling for the playoffs, and they just got a victory, which I think now it's back-to-back wins for Arizona. We talked about how the Cardinals, I think we were both on the Giants a couple weeks ago, both on the Eagles last week. Talked about how the Cardinals' current form kind of wasn't looking great, and albeit not a very convincing win last week against the Eagles, one that went right down to the wire. Having said that, um, I, I just feel like San Francisco, there's not a buy sign here. And last week I looked at San Francisco and figured, well, they're going to Dallas, and Nick Mullins turned the ball over against the Washington defense. That's a good Washington defense. He's not going to do that against Dallas. And, you know, they're still going to play hard for Kyle Shanahan. And I lost on the 49ers, and honestly, it was the wrong side the whole way. So I worry that San Francisco has just kind of waved the white flag and said, you know what, the injury bug got us this year. It's not our year. And they signed Josh, Josh Rosen off of the Tampa Bay practice squad this week. So maybe that could get interesting as far as their future at the quarterback position. But it's Beathard making his first start against a playoff-hungry Arizona team. It's a strong lean, probably a play for me on Arizona at home, laying the five. I guess the one thing that could make you argue San Fran is it is a divisional game, and it is an opportunity for the, for the 49ers to play spoiler, which is obviously a different role than they've been in having gone to the Super Bowl last year. So maybe the players that are dressed for San Francisco this week kind of embrace that. But um, I think Arizona is definitely the side you want here, as square as that sounds. Yeah, I think that's the only side you can look at. I'll never count out Kyle Shanahan, no matter who's a quarterback. He's one of the better coaches, coordinators in the NFL, but they haven't looked – very good on offense recently, and that's a lot to do with the quarterback. But also the defense has been struggling. In the last three games, they've given up 32.7 points per game. That's that's not a San Francisco defense we usually see. 
So there's no way I could back them at this number. I would only look to the Cardinals here. Well, let's go to the final game of the Saturday slate, and that is the Miami Dolphins traveling to Sin City to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Seeing Miami laying three on the highway, total of 47.5. Miami off of a convincing victory. Uh, well, maybe not convincing, but by double digits against the New England Patriots last week. Um, and the Patriots get eliminated, and Vegas continues to you know, spiral out of the AFC playoff picture. Not officially eliminated yet, but we did see Derek Carr go down, and his, we don't know who's playing quarterback here for Vegas. Uh, but, gosh, Alex, we talked about this. I don't have a play on this game yet, but as far as the side is concerned, we talked a little bit about how Miami could feel a little trappy laying that short number on the road given the Dolphins being in that playoff hunt. Um, and it just looks a little too good to be true, or just kind of inviting just to take the team that still has a lot to play for. Uh, but I think the better angle here is to wait and see where the market moves if Marcus Mariota gets ruled in for Vegas, because I think there's a likelihood that this comes off three, and we see three and a half, maybe four, and that would actually intrigue me to take the Raiders because we saw Marcus Mariota look like an NFL starting quarterback on Thursday Night Football in Week 15. And I mentioned it's a Thursday game, so you have an extra time for the Raiders, which we think late in the season probably matters a little bit more. I definitely won't be on Miami here, but if you're telling me Mariota is going to play and I can get north of three with the Raiders, uh, I, I would be interested. Yeah, this is a tough spot. We just don't know the quarterback situation. It looks like Derek Carr practiced in full today. So that's a new development. Yeah, so I, I guess in, on that hand, looking at that, probably in line to play. If he has any say in it, he'll definitely play. He, he said he will do anything he can in order to play this week. But the Dolphins have been really good against the spread. They're the best team in the NFL, surprisingly, this year. They're 11-3 and against the spread. It's really tough to cap this game. The Miami defense are really good at taking the ball away. They're first in the NFL, and they average 1.9 takeaways per game. We've seen Xavier Howard. He leads the league in interceptions with nine. They just seem very opportunistic. They just always take the ball away. We saw that against the Chiefs. They got a couple interceptions on the homes and a huge sack. They just always seem to take the ball away. And against Carr or Marietta, that seems to be a problem. I would probably lean the Dolphins here, but it's really tough to tell. The Raiders' defense is just so bad this year. It's it's really tough to Back yeah, conversely, Miami at any number has been excellent. Exactly, they're they're really good against the pass. Their their rushing defense can be exploited, so I would be kind of hesitant with Carr. But Mariota, honestly, would feel a little more comfortable with just due to the rushing factor that he has, and I feel like he opens the offense for them exponentially versus no, Alex, Carr. If you're the Raiders, I know he's on a two-year deal, but don't you don't you have to just kind of look at what that market might be like for Marcus Mariota and what kind of draft pick compensation you might be able to get? Uh, because there's always teams looking for quarterbacks, and he looked like a starter last week. He did. 
he looked really solid through the air and on the ground. I think he had 88 yards on the ground on nine carries, and he had one touchdown through the air. He threw one interception. Ultimately, they lost the game in overtime. I think that's more due with coaching than really his performance. But, yeah, it's definitely a quarterback to look to the future. I, I mean, Carr has been really solid. They have a lot of offensive weapons, so it's really tough to call here. Let's go to the first game of the Sunday slate, and that is the Cleveland Browns rotation number 455, traveling to the to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Jets. Total of 48 in this game. Cleveland laying 9.5, 10 at most books. You know, and Alex, when we look at this one, Obviously, Cleveland uh, going right back to the place of their last victory last week on Sunday Night Football against the New York Giants, and the Jets are off that first win, and, you know, they, some calling it the worst win in NFL history, as Trevor Lawrence may end up down in Duval with the Jaguars now as a result of the Jets picking up a victory against the LA Rams last week, but for one reason or another, uh, the Jets pick up a win, and I'm curious to see how you look at this because I think there's two interesting kind of motivational angles we could discuss from the Jets. On one hand, you could say, okay, now they're all they probably they probably went into this week had the best week of practice all season because you know there's just a more positive energy going on, and Sam Darnold, if he keeps winning here, could basically lock himself up to be the 2021 quarterback for the Jets. We're already saying if we can assume that Lawrence is going to end up down in Jacksonville, then you know even if the Jets have the second pick, it could still end up being Darnold. Maybe they would look elsewhere and not take Justin Fields. So I think there's a lot of variables here with the Jets that get very interesting. And if you're a Jets player, namely Sam Darnold, you're certainly playing for playing time in 2021. You know, and then the Cleveland angle here is the Browns have just been – give them credit. They came back off of a very tough loss against the Ravens, and they did what they needed to do against the Giants team. It wasn't anything flashy. It wasn't anything fancy on Sunday Night Football. Uh, but they got the job done, and here they are in a division title race all of a sudden. So there's certainly no lack of motivation there. I ultimately am not going to look at this game much. Uh, I wonder if you have anything, though. <laughs> no, I have absolutely nothing. But it's interesting to think about the motivational factor. Like, No NFL player is actually tanking. Obviously, we saw that last week, the Jets beating the Rams as 17-point underdogs, maybe higher in some spots. There's not professional players that are going to openly tank Right, so on one hand, like, you could argue that, as I said, all of a sudden there's some late-season, you know, energy for the Jets. Right. They still know they're a dead franchise. They know that Adam Gase is out. I don't know if they're necessarily playing for him. You know, Frank Gore is a veteran. He's just playing for pride. He's He's got to be rallying the troops. I, I wouldn't want to lay any of these numbers, but – this is way more of a win situation for the Browns than it is for the Jets. I I expect them to come out on fire, the the Browns that is. But Sam Darnold, you looked really solid last week. That's a that's a quarterback that you need to consider in the future. I I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets, if they have the second pick overall, they're going to go 
offensive line there. That tackle from Oregon is looking really solid. He opted out, but he's still well, one sure. of the top and, picks and there. great for them already at left tackle, so, you know, you could lock things down there. Absolutely, and Darnold looks to be a professional quarterback. I don't know if you necessarily have to upgrade that position. I think it's more the coach there. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, and I, I, I think there's definitely some more intrigue with where the Jets go now uh, as far as their franchise if they don't secure the number one pick, which perhaps is still on the radar here with two weeks left, but uh, certainly Jacksonville is in a good position. Let's uh, get think, to a few more. Do you think the uh, Do you think the Jags might be in more of a quarterback need than the Jets are? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, quite is the guy. It, We've seen him. It's funny we've just almost talking yes, yes, yes with Lawrence, but right. never really thought about comparing the two quarterback depth charts. And when you look at what the Jags have, I mean Minshew is just so erratic and up and down. He's really the definition of any given Sunday. You don't quite know what you're getting, right? Absolutely. I mean, he looks like a world beater one week, and then one of the worst quarterbacks the next. Yeah, so so no, it's honestly something I never really cared to think about. We'll get to the Jags in a minute because that's certainly a line that sticks out to me. But before we do that, let's talk about an AFC South team that is very much alive to win the division, and that's the Indianapolis Colts traveling to the Steel City short trip for the Colts from Indianapolis to Pittsburgh. The Colts are road chalk in this game of looks like a point and a half on bet online, total of 44 and a half. And Alex, I can't help but look at the Steelers here. I mean, this is just the very definition of buying stock at the bottom of the market. I mean, who would have ever thought the Steelers are going to be home underdogs against anyone this year? And listen, I know that the if you think about it, the Steelers' offense has really been where the problems have lied the last few weeks. You're a Steelers guy. They haven't been able to move the ball. They still can't run the ball. And and Ben just kind of looks like a statue there in the pocket. And, you know, he's, he's kind of known for extending plays as well as he's done in his career. And, uh, you know, he's missing receivers. And it's just a mess for them on the offensive side of the ball. But I think really what makes me like this is tell me why this defense can't just eat Phillip Rivers alive. Maybe this correlates to just liking the game under the total of 44 and a half. But you're telling me all I need is the Steelers to win the game here and, you know, get themselves back atop the AFC North? I mean, or, or stay atop the AFC North? I mean, maybe they are going to make this hard on themselves and they're going to have to go to Cleveland for a winner-take-all AFC North game. I, I'm just thinking sooner or later here we're going to see, and, and, and maybe they're not going to get back to that early season form. But are they really just going to lose every game the rest of the season? Like, I'm I'm not there yet with that. I think the defense comes to play. I think they can harass Phillip Rivers enough. I still think they could win, like, a 20-17 to 17 game or something like that. I completely agree. This is very disappointing the past couple of weeks, but I still think the only way to look here is the Sears. As much as Ben has been harassed in the pocket, the Sears are still – the first in the NFL in sacks allowed per game. They've only given up .9 sacks per game, so he gets the ball off very quick. That doesn't necessarily mean it's successful, but I don't see the Colts really bringing the pressure to defeat 
Big Ben and the Steelers. They need to bounce back. This is a big spot. This is a huge game. And the Colts' defense really hasn't been what we've seen in normal years. We Beginning of the season, we really were leaning on the Colts' defense. But the last three games, they've been up 331 passing yards per game on average. So this isn't quite the Colts' defense that we expect. If there's any game to bounce back, it's against this Colts' secondary. And I think the Steelers can do that. Yeah, so I, I agree. I just think five weeks ago, if you told me the Steelers are going to be home underdogs against anyone, I would have said you're crazy. So uh, I know that it's been an extended sampling now with them, right, where we look right. at you know the Cincinnati game and the Buffalo game and the, the Washington game. And there's definitely cause for concern. Let me ask you, though, as a Steelers guy, where's your level of concern at? Uh, it's about probably a 90% concern. But <laughs> with that being said, I'm highly concerned. They couldn't beat a single one of these teams in the playoffs except the Colts. That's the only team they could beat right. in the playoffs right now. <laughs> sure. That's the only team, and they play them this week. So I think they can. Also, Juju, he said he he was going to stop dancing on the opponents uh, on the logo at midfield, so maybe that'll uh, give them a boost without that extra distraction. I think that's complete <laughs> bullshit. That that's even a factor to consider. But yeah, home game, so he can't dance on his own logo. So yeah, give me the Steelers. Let's go to Duval. We mentioned the Jaguars and. This is a line that really made my eyes open up because we're seeing the Chicago Bears laying seven and the hook, total of 47 in this game. And, hey, for the third week in a row, the Chicago Bears offense looked competent, which is something that we don't say often. But Mitch Trubisky and and they got the run game going with David Montgomery last week, uh, you know, and, and the two weeks prior against Houston and Detroit, uh, the Bears were moving the football and looking good offensively. Um, but now they're seven and a half point road chalk. That just seems crazy. They're not even in the playoff hunt yet. Like, like Alex, if you would have told me, like, when in the NFL do we see a team that's not in a playoff position be a seven and a half point road favorite? <laughs> I guess the only time you would see that is against the one win Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the only time I could see it. But backing Mitch Trubisky, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, no, exactly. And so that makes me think, as you said, players don't tank, okay? The organization might want to lose the game, but we've seen Jacksonville have some success covering point spreads within the last five, six weeks. And I know that last week against the Baltimore Ravens, they got blown out on the road, but and, and the same thing happened at home against Tennessee. But go back two weeks ago, or excuse me, now three weeks ago, they cover and nearly win the game outright in overtime against Minnesota. That was a Minnesota team fighting for a playoff berth. They cover and nearly force overtime against Cleveland. They covered a game at Lambeau Field back in the middle of November. So I think there's reason to like the Jags here. Um, I think it's obviously more of a play against Chicago. Um, now, Chicago's been doing a lot of things well offensively, as I said, which is surprising. But I think you've got to draw the line and say seven and a half on the road just is ridiculous with the Bears. So I think I'm going to find myself on the Jags here. 
Yeah, I don't have anything here, but I don't fault that logic. This seems a little bit too high for Mitch Trubisky against any team. So I would lean Jacksonville here for sure. Let's wrap things up before we hit our commercial break with the New York Giants traveling to Charm City to take on the Baltimore Ravens. We're seeing the Ravens laying 11 in this game, and obviously the Ravens have kind of a knack for beating up on certain teams, Um, and we saw it last week against the Jags. I know Alex, you have a trend which kind of surprised me because it feels like Lamar and company kind of run right through the inferior opponents, but it sounds like they're not that great as home chalk. No, surprisingly or not, they definitely do beat up on bad teams, but Lamar Jackson's only 7-12 and 12 against the spread as a home favorite. And then you look to the Giants, they're 8-5 and five against the spread this year. They're one of the better teams covering. So this feels a little high. I can't really get there with either team, but it's tough to back Lamar Jackson with such an inept passing attack. You really have to lean on the run. The Giants' defense has been really solid, so I really can't get there with either of these teams. Yeah, and and I really can't either. I mean, do we know? Have we? What have we seen on the on the Giants' quarterback front? I suppose that's why this game at other books is being you know off the board. Is it's kind of a we record here on Wednesday night, and it's kind of a weekly exercise here as far as you know Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, and and who's going to play. Yeah, I think that's the biggest concern. I haven't seen anything today, and I would assume that it's going to be McCoy, but even with Daniel Jones against that Ravens attack, they're really strong secondary. So I think I would probably look to this game under the total, if anything. But, yeah, I really don't have anything here. The Giants offense has been really lackluster. Even – Against Cleveland, they couldn't even move the ball against Cleveland. Right. And that's Cleveland. And that's, we saw that's, what Baltimore yeah. did on Monday Night Football. Exactly, and it's not a strong Cleveland defense. So, yeah, I would, I would pass here for sure. Let's take a break, and we'll come back. We'll hit one more game in the early window, and then we'll get to the late games and the primetime games on the other side. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off on wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to help keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Also, now, 
Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match with your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank here with you. Find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Alex Uplinger joining us as he does every week. Our producer at Alex underscore up seven. And also managing our podcast Twitter at Full underscore Slate underscore pod. One final game in the early window to discuss for NFL Week 16 on Sunday, December the 27th. Then we'll get into the late afternoon games. It's the Atlanta Falcons catching 10.5 on the road against the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Total in this game of 54. Um, And, Alex, I do have some concerns here. You know, initially I was thinking that 10.5 would be interesting to take with Atlanta, Raheem Morris, and he really is starting to fade as far as a full-time candidate, in my opinion, with the Falcons. He hasn't picked up that signature win that he could really use going into the offseason, you know, and obviously running out of time to do it. And the way that they lost last week certainly would concern me if I was backing Atlanta here. But the reason why when this number opened up, I kind of thought, oh, well, the Chiefs haven't really been covering these numbers. We've seen the Chiefs really the last five, six weeks since their bye week when they failed to cover as eight-point road chalk against the Las Vegas Raiders coming out of their bye. We've seen them struggle in this price range. So that right there is enough to make me consider Atlanta, but I don't think it's enough for me to get to the window there. Obviously a high total of 54 Falcons games kind of always have high totals given the secondary and how they can kind of collapse at any moment, as we saw in the second half last week against Tampa Bay. And it is Kansas City. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Tyreek Hill, yada, yada, yada. Maybe they are due for one of their blowouts again because, as I said, they kind of have been playing down to some teams and keeping games close. I think I'll probably stay away here, slight lean to Atlanta, catching the points, but a little concerned about where Atlanta's heads are at after blowing that game, which was really their Super Bowl last week for all intents and purposes, against the Bucs. Yeah, there's no way I can back the Falcons here. I initially saw that number, and it really jumped out to me. It looked like a clear Atlanta play, but just the way that Bucks game ended, they they couldn't get to the window there. They, they just can't finish games, but... Also, neither can the Chiefs. The Chiefs haven't covered in the last six weeks, depending on the number you got. Last week, I think it might have closed three, maybe two and a half. I had three and a half, so that was a tough loss. And I also had three, so that was a brutal push. 
with the Chiefs there. Yeah, I could see them blowing the Falcons out with nothing to play for here for the Falcons. The Chiefs are still going for the number one seed. They actually do have something to play here, but yeah, I just I can't get to the window with either of these teams. Not at yeah. this number. Yeah, no, I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's probably one that I'll stay away from. Uh, it's a big number, and as I said, Kansas City has been struggling in this price range. And what would this number get you to the window with the Falcons? Maybe 13? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking. I would probably get there with 13, but I still wouldn't be that confident at 13. I mean, this this just feels like the Chiefs either blow them out or they just go through the motions. It looks like, uh, looks like they're going to be starting – Le'Veon Bell here that might take away a little bit from the offense, but at the end of the day, it's still Mahomes and Hill, and you know, I can't quite get there. So let's move forward and go back to the late afternoon window of games where we have a team that really I don't think many people are going to be interested in. AFC West battle, Denver Broncos at LA Chargers. Denver catching three and a half on the road, total of 49. Alex, I suppose you could look for the Chargers being a little more motivated here off the win, extra time to prepare, Thursday night football, week 15. Anthony Lynn coaching for his job. Like, then I stopped there because... It is still the Chargers. You're, you're talking <laughs> exactly. about winning over a field goal? Like, ah. No, no. No, I, th- I think Anthony Lynn is probably a three-point detriment to his team. So I see this as a pick him, but then, again, do you want to back Drew Locke? I, I can't. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, <laughs> I lost in a big way last week. I kind of thought it was going to be a Buffalo flat spot off that Pittsburgh win, going to Denver with New England on deck in prime time. And uh, no, it's true lock. I've had enough with the Broncos, even though they have had some success against the spread this year. Um, you have to think Denver's going to be looking to move on in the offseason at quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, we will be trying to roll the dice again on a unsuccessful quarterback, how he's done for – Past several years, I I just can't back Drew Locke. He's he's got 13 interceptions on the year. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, unfortunately. And yeah, I can't get there at all. Well, let's move forward to a game I am certainly more interested in, but we still have some more variables unfolding. Rotation number four six nine. The Carolina Panthers traveling up north. Um, Alex, what's this? Have you ever done the Charlotte to the DC drive? What's that like? I actually haven't, but I know it's uh it's about five to six hours. So okay, not not quite that far, and it's a good drive. Charlotte's a great city. So you ever been? I haven't, but I have a lot of friends that live there, so I know they love it. Sure. And uh, Washington's a great city, even though the Washington football team they play in Landover, Maryland. So we don't we don't quite claim that as Washington. That's it's very much outside the city. It's FedEx field. No one really wants to go there, so 
Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a fair point. Let's talk about the football game, though, uh, as we have the, it looks like, at Bet Online limited marketplace, I would imagine, here with the questionable situation with the Washington football team quarterback situation. Washington, though, a short favorite of one and a half right now at Bet Online, not seeing a total being hung on this game. Uh, so maybe that's an indicator that they think there's, uh, you know, the total might be a harder number to book with the difference in quarterbacks. Alex, I'll just say this. I think from a motivational standpoint, obviously Washington has a chance to clinch the division, and they will know that really when the game kicks off because they clinch with a victory and a Giants loss. Those are the two things that the football team needs to lock this division up. The Giants obviously playing in the early window, the, the football team going off in the late window. And, oh, by the way, the coach for Washington happens to be Ron Rivera. I'm sure he would love nothing more than to clinch the division in his first year with Washington against his former employer, the Carolina Panthers. Panthers, another loss last week. Granted, they did cover for us gamblers, but uh, they were really out of that game, and it looked like Green Bay kind of checked out enough for Carolina to come through the back door and get the cash as nine-point underdogs, eight-and-a-half as well at a lot of shops. But right here, I mean, I think this is all the marbles here for Washington. Great spot for Ron Rivera. I think that defense will come to play again and eat Teddy Bridgewater alive. Only thing that I will wait on here is I want to make sure Alex Smith can play, which it sounds like is far from certain. Yeah, that's my biggest concern. I would love to lay the points here with Washington, but – you see, Teddy Bridgewater is just a cover machine. He's 19-2 and two against the spread as a road underdog, which they're looking like they'll be. But Washington pass rush is just so good. I think the defense has to win this. We don't even know who's going to be playing quarterback for Washington. Smith coming off that calf injury, and then you got fucking Dwayne Haskins going to the strip club after a – after a loss, he got the cover, so maybe that's what he was celebrating. But I just can't really figure out either of these teams without knowing who's the quarterback for Washington. I I would lean the football team just based off the defense and the Ron Rivera revenge game aspect. This is a really good Washington defense, but Dwayne Haskins is just not very good at all. We saw that last week. He had two interceptions in the <laughs> yeah. defense. Still kept him in the game. I can't That's believe maybe that. Maybe they weren't so stupid for benching him when everybody was like, what are they doing? <laughs> I was one of those. I was one of those saying, what the fuck are they doing? I liked I liked Haskins. He looks like the prototypical quarterback. This guy's a fucking idiot. You're going to the strip club <laughs> after a loss? That you threw two interceptions in and you were sacked four times. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I try to. And gosh, you know, it does make me wonder, you know, <laughs> if it is Haskins. Like, what's the vibe like with Washington if that's the guy that's leading them? You know, like, this they is why I need to make sure Smith plays before I play this. Exactly. You, you have to play this knowing. Smith is going to play. That's the only way you could back Washington. Yeah, the other thing, too, and like the other side of this, I mentioned Rivera having a chance to clinch the division in his own team. You could have Alex Smith, of all quarterbacks, having a chance to send his team to the playoffs. 
It's insane that we're talking about Alex Smith being the saving grace for the Washington football <laughs> team to win a division, but they just they stripped Haskins of his captaincy and they just they fined him forty thousand dollars for that that stunt going to a strip club. I I mean I understand this this guy's a he's a young quarterback. He's obviously not the brightest of the bunch. In these circumstances, you're going to go out like that? I mean, if, if Smith plays, you got to back Washington. And, and really, it's just a play on the defense. But if Smith can't go, I'm not that confident that Haskins will go. I mean, this COVID concerns, he was out. You saw a maskless at a strip club. <laughs> so if we're going with a third-string quarterback, you, you have to go – Carolina, but if Smith plays, yeah, you're going to lean on that defense and Alex Smith, even though he doesn't have the greatest offense in the world with him, but yeah. (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) let's head out west where we have a very intriguing game in the Pacific Northwest between the the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle can clinch the division with a victory as the Hawks are a game clear of the L.A. Rams. But if the Rams win, then the Rams would jump Seattle by virtue of the head-to-head regular season sweep, having won the earlier season meeting down at SoFi Stadium in the City of Angels. And Alex, I'll be honest, this line is really talking to me and telling me it's Rams are pass in this situation because you're telling me, and I know there's no fans, but you're telling me that the Seattle Seahawks at home in a game to clinch the division, albeit against the Rams, are only pick them. And we have a total, by the way, of 47 and a half in this game. But that right there tells me you cannot I, – I, like, I can't play Seattle here. And, and I'm someone that's holding a Seattle to win the NFC West ticket at plus 275. But I cannot – like, that line just seems such bait that they're giving you the home team at Pickham with the Rams off of a loss to the Jets, I, I think that's probably where a lot of the public is going to align itself with and just say, oh, my gosh, what happened to the Rams? You know, how could this be? And now Seattle revenge, you know, from the earlier season meeting, yada, yada, yada. But then if that's the case, tell me why the line's not like three. Like, it just seems like so wacky a little here. And – Maybe it's not even that wacky because the Rams did win the first meeting. And something I always kind of look at is when a team does get embarrassed or when a team kind of just underachieves, if it's like the Rams, who we know are well-coached, right? Sean McVay got to the Super Bowl in just his second season there. Like, we can expect them to bounce back. So we're certainly not going to get the same Rams team that lost to the Jets last week. All of that, again, makes me think Rams are past here. And I probably am going to get there with the Rams. And if I lose, that means I cash my Seattle ticket at almost 3-1. to one. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's Rams or pass here. I'm really not sold on Seattle right now, which is unreal to say. Russell Wilson was in the driver's seat for the MVP. <laughs> you know, that whole let Russ cook montage and – he just hasn't. It's Gosh, you know, hard to the whole second half has been really spotty. 
yeah, it's been bad. And I think this is more a play on the Rams' defense showing up and getting pressure out the middle with Aaron Donald. And they've been better since they acquired uh, Carlos Dunlap. They've been looking – or, sorry, that's the Seahawks. They've been looking solid as well. But the Rams, I just – I don't trust either of these offenses. Maybe I would look to the under on this on this game. I, I can't quite get there on a the side, but I would probably be there with you on the – on the Rams. I would be in that way. Let's go to the final game in the late afternoon window, and it's a divisional matchup as well. The Philadelphia Eagles traveling to the Lone Star State to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Philadelphia, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, total of 49-and-a-half. And obviously, uh, we saw the NFL move Washington into the late window, so uh, Philadelphia's fate is tied to what Washington does here against the Carolina Panthers, a Washington win, even if the Giants are to pull the big upset over the Ravens, a Washington win would eliminate Philadelphia from postseason contention. Eagles needing a win, a Giants loss, and a Washington loss this week in order for the division to come down to the Week 17 game against the Washington football team. And Dallas, obviously, is still in – and all of that I just said about the Eagles – can also be said for Dallas. They need a win, and they need a Giants loss, and they need a Washington football team loss as well. Um, and that Giants game goes on in the early window. As I said, the Carolina-Washington game will be going on at the same time. But as far as just looking at this game from a standalone perspective, forgetting the scenarios, Alex, I like the over here as an intriguing play, 49.5. I mean, hey, this is two weeks in a row now where Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts have looked like a competent offensive football team. And I think as the sample size continues to grow, and there's no reason to think it won't, this week against Dallas and potentially next week against Washington with nothing to play for, if Washington already clinches the NFC East this week, then I think Jalen Hurts is absolutely the quarterback in Philadelphia into 2021. And as far as this game, you know, it's a Dallas defense that (laughs) – still stinks. I mean, they gave up 33 last week against the 49ers, and that was Nick Mullins. They just happened to score 41, um, and, you know, do the math there. That's 74. You know, we're talking about a total here of 49 and a half. Jalen Hurts, two weeks in a row, quarterbacking the Eagles, has looked pretty good against a New Orleans defense that's one of the best in the league, and obviously Arizona is competing in that playoff hunt. So this is a big step down in terms of the defense, you know, the quality of the opposing defense that he's going to be facing. And let's remember the last time Dallas played Philadelphia, it was Ben DiNucci starting because Andy Dalton was on the COVID list. So you're going to give me a competent quarterback that can just get the ball out enough and hit the receivers that he has available to him in Dalton. That's all we need here to get this game over the total. That's the way I'll look here. I'll stay away from the side, uh, but I like Andy Dalton to have a decent game again, uh, and I think that the winner of this game ends up scoring at least 30 points. I'll go over 49.5. On the side, this feels like an absolute coin flip. I, I really can't get there with either of these teams. I I like the over what you're saying. Dallas defense, the last three games, they've given up 29.3 points per game. So, if Hurts can just 
hang in there. I, I really think you could shred this Dallas defense that is not impressive at all. And they've been doing better at protecting the quarterback. Last week was tough against Arizona, but the week before against the Saints, Hertz wasn't sacked a single time, which was the first time the Saints didn't get to the quarterback. So that's, I think that speaks to his mobility, really was solid on the ground. Yeah, I think the Eagles can put up enough, and I think the Dallas offense has been solid enough to get this total over the spread. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely the better play in this game is to look towards the total and stay away from what looks like, as you said, a pretty tricky side. And, you know, maybe if you want to talk yourself into another divisional home dog, given how profitable those have been this year, uh, you know, you could align yourself with the Dallas side. But I won't be doing that. I think that I'll just stay away and go over 49 and a half. Let's go to Sunday Night Football as we wrap up with the primetime games. The Tennessee Titans traveling to Green Bay as three-and-a-half-point road chalk total in this game of 56. And Alex, I just got to be honest, that hook was too appealing to pass up. I took the three-and-a-half with Tennessee. Um, and, you know, when we look at Green Bay, I'm not sure I want them at greater than field goal chalk in this game between two teams. Oh, dare we say a potential Super Bowl preview here? I mean, certainly for the Packers side, you could make a good argument for them getting out of the NFC much harder argument to make for Tennessee getting out of the AFC. But, hey, at the same time, we did see them have a lead of two scores early in the game against Kansas City in the AFC title game last year, and that was at a full-capacity Arrowhead Stadium. So read into you know things as you may. I think anytime Derrick Henry is running the way he looks to be running again in December, the Titans are going to have a chance against anybody they play. And that's really my angle in this game. We know that Green Bay time and time again, struggles to defend the run, and they did not have to see Christian McCaffrey last week for Carolina. Now they're going up against probably the best healthy running back in the NFL right now in Derrick Henry. Uh, Yeah, I think that Tennessee is probably going to be able to run, run, run. Uh, and, And if you're Green Bay, I know it's an exploitable Tennessee defense, so you could certainly talk me into going over this total as well, as high as it is at 56, the highest total on the board in NFL Week 16. I certainly won't be on the under here. Titans on the side, over if I had to play the total. Better play, though, is grabbing that hook. Give me this game decided by a field goal or less. I'm with you. I grabbed the Titans at 3.5. I, I like that play, but the Packers' defense, they leave a lot to be desired. They're, they're not very solid against a run, and the Titans, that's what they do best. The Titans average 160.4 rushing yards per game. And the Packers are 21st in rushing DVOA. This is one of the worst bottom bottom defenses against a run. Both these defenses are bad, so I would look to the over. Because the Titans, they allow 25.8 points per game. And the Packers, they allow... 24.2 points per game, and the way Tannehill has been playing, he looks like a all-pro quarterback. I can't believe we're saying that. We we saw Tannehill get kicked out of Miami, which brought him to Tennessee, which kicked him 
Mariota to Vegas, <laughs> and then you see Vegas is going up against Miami, so it might be a little Mariota revenge game after that result. But, yeah, I'm going to go Titans, and I'm probably going to go the over here. Well, let's wrap up on Monday Night Football, a divisional matchup between the Buffalo Bills traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Certainly thought this game, and as I'm sure the schedule makers did, would have some more juice, but New England just could not overcome all the opt-outs that the Patriots had to deal with, most of them on the defensive side of the ball, and really just some lackluster play by Cam Newton all season long. Certainly makes me think the Patriots are going to be looking at quarterbacks as well. There's been some talk of Jared Stidham perhaps getting a look either this week or in Week 17 against the Jets as they uh, really haven't given him much of a sampling uh, and they haven't really gotten to see what he has. Maybe they've already made their mind up and know that he's not their quarterback anyway, but it doesn't look like it's Cam Newton either as New England is now eliminated from playoff contention and Buffalo has clinched the AFC East. Uphill battle for the Bills as far as that bye is concerned because they have a head-to-head loss earlier in the season against Kansas City. So Buffalo's fate likely determined, and now it's just a matter of seeding. So on one hand, I mentioned this to you, Alex, before we hopped on. You could make the case this is a flat spot for the Bills, laying seven on the road in a divisional game. Mentioned it with Dallas. Here we have another divisional home dog in New England. Total in this game of 46. But I'm not going to be on this game, at least from a side perspective. Might look more into the total, and I I think you could talk me into the over with Stephon Gilmore not dressing for New England the rest of the season. Certainly could look for things to open up for Stephon Diggs a little bit more uh, and, and Buffalo to be able to continue to score enough here. And maybe Cam and company can put up some points if it is Cam, I'm assuming it will be, um, against the Buffalo defense that hasn't looked as dominant as it was last year. Last year, Buffalo was a lot of defense and suspect offense. Now Buffalo really is all offense and suspect defense. So I think if I had to just give a lean right now, I'd probably look to go over the total, uh, but that's only a lean. Can't even guarantee I'll be on it come Monday. Um, So that's all I have here. It sounds like you do like the side, though. Yeah, I'm going to ultimately play in the Bills. I got it at six and a half. I think it's higher. I still would play it. I think this is going to be a route. Bills are nine and five against the spread this season. They're really solid. They, they've coined to the AFC East, but I think this is just a matchup where they want to beat the Patriots. I, I think this is a good spot that they just want to – you know, beat Order Brother, which they haven't done right. recently. Like, this is a good place for them to do it. Josh Allen, he's 12-5-2 against the spread on the road. They're playing in New England. I just don't trust Cam Newton at all in the passing game, despite how the Bills have looked. You think there's a chance here, whether it's Monday night or, or Week 17, do you think that these could be the last starts of Cam Newton's career? I don't know if I would go as far as career, but, yeah, there was no one running to pick him up in the offseason. I was kind of surprised. That's what Washington, I'm saying. And it yeah, like the league was right on that one. Yeah. I don't know if that speaks more to the, the Patriots offense as just a, That's true. a running team. or. But, yeah, 
like you said, like and Julian Edelman hasn't been there most of the season. Exactly. And, and when he has been out there, hasn't looked like himself. No, and Ron Rivera wasn't running to pick up Cam Newton, which was kind of surprising with their quarterback situation. Right. So, I mean, you could be right. This could be one of the last games. Of Maybe, and, and and let's just say in a significant role, in in the sense that could Cam land somewhere as a backup and be thrusted into a starting role? Of course, but. It just feels like the days of a team going into a season committing to Cam Newton as their number one quarterback are over. Yeah, you're probably right. I think Belichick took a risk. He he thought he could probably, you know, quarterback whisper like like he's done with Tom Brady here with with Newton, which obviously wasn't the case. This is one of the worst passing offenses in the NFL. He, really hasn't got it done, and the Bills, they sling it around really well. Like you were saying, Diggs with Wendell Gilmore, I, I think they can air it out. Yeah, I think they'll easily cover the spread here. So that'll wrap things up for us as we run through the entire NFL Week 16 rotation here on Full Slate. Alex, we made it. It's time for us to sign off. Let's enjoy our holiday. Yeah, buddy. Have a good day off. All righty, that'll do it for us. Again, follow me for all of my picks. Going to be giving out a lot of NBA and college basketball over the next few days. And, of course, these NFL picks will be finalized as well. Follow me at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Find Alex at Alex underscore up seven and managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. And, of course, please play responsibly.